Looking for your next hard writing podcast fix? The This Is Hard podcast for readers, writers, and creators is the ultimate show for writing advice, tips, and a personal look into the lives of all your favorite authors. This is Horror Podcast. Listen in to long-form conversations with some of the best writers and creatives on the planet. Over 400 episodes with masters of horror such as Joe R. Lansdale, Chuck Palahniuk, Josh Mallerman, Joe Hill, Charlene Harris, Craig Clevenger, Ellen Datlow, Kathy Koja, and many more. The This Is Horror Podcast. Listen in at www.thisishorror.com. That's the This Is Horror Podcast for readers, writers, and creators. Welcome to Dead Headspace, part of the Silver Shamrock Horror Cast, which includes Killing Time with Silver Shamrock and Unburying the Dead, where we exhume classic horror paperbacks for the new generation. I am your host, Brennan LaFaro. I am joined in a limited capacity by uh, Patrick McDonough, who had a man in a white coat rip out half his throat this week, so he's not going to be talking as much as he usually does. Uh, <laughs> say hi, Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Ha ha ha. That joke's tired. I'm sorry, so luckily, we are we are joined. <laughs> luckily, I have uh, another co-host on uh, today, Miss Janine Pipe. Say hello, Janine. Hello, all the way from the UK. Very pleased to be here. Thank you. And we're pleased to have you. And we are welcoming Glenn Rolfe, the author of books like Blood and Rain, uh, Until Summer Comes Around, and the brand new. It'll already be out by the time you hear this, August's Eyes, which he is holding up right now. And so is Janine, and oh, I don't have a copy, but <laughs> it looks gorgeous. The cover is fantastic. So, Glenn, say hi. How are you doing, man? Hey, what's happening, guys? Thanks for having me on. You have a doppelganger there. Yeah. <laughs> a mini-me <laughs> behind him, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I <laughs> We're absolutely pleased to have you on, man. Been a long time coming. We've wanted to talk to you. So let's jump right into it. Uh, we always ask new guests, what got you into horror? Uh, I don't know. Like I remember being, you know, like five or six in my parents had like for a limited time. We had like HBO when we were little back in the 80s. And uh, I just remember seeing like way too many horror movies that I shouldn't have seen at that age. Uh, like The Exorcist and Terror Train, uh, probably Poltergeist, just Terror movies that just movies that I shouldn't have been watching. And I, I was scared to death, but I would always just stand there in front of the TV, like mesmerized at the same time. Uh, so that's that's really what started my love for horror. But terrified and having nightmares for weeks after watching these movies. So did you graduate past that or, you know, are you are you still watching things and just making, you know, letting them make you feel terrible all the time? 
No, I mean, they don't affect me anymore. I mean, the only movie, the only movie that still scares me is The Exorcist. Like, for whatever reason, it just, it just looks so real to me and it feels too real and I don't like it. <laughs> it still freaks me out. Anybody? I've only seen it for like three things, and then I forget what it even was. That's a fair one. <laughs> I'm thinking The Exorcist, too. I, uh, I, I definitely had a lot of trouble watching that when I was younger, and I put it on these day, uh, you know, to this day, and it's still, ugh. Yeah, yeah it's like, I don't know what they did. Whatever they did, it looks it just feels real. You know what I mean? Uh the the effects and stuff were really good for the 70s or what is early 70s, I think, right? Yeah. Just the feel of it. It's just ugh, it still gets me. And I, I like <laughs> I always think every Halloween I'm like, I see it at the store and I'm like, I should buy that and watch it and freak myself out. And then I'm like, no, I don't want that movie in my house. <laughs> Trust it. It's a it's a broad generalization, but I, I really think that we should consider, you know, outlawing CGI creations in horror movies. I mean, can you think of an instance where it does a better job than the practical effects of, you know, no matter how dated they are, the practical effects from like a 70s movie like The Exorcist, an 80s movie like The Thing, they're just incomparable, you know, when you look at them next to things that come out today. No, I agree totally. Those are like those are most of my favorite horror movies, anyways, from seventies and eighties. So, nineties and the two thousands got. Then there's good ones in there, but I don't know the vibes, the feel of them isn't the same to me. Yeah, and, and somebody reads one of your books, and they can pretty much tell that that's that's your heyday. That's oh. where uh, that's where a lot of the uh, the references come in. And hey, with that, that's a perfect spot to throw it to Janine. Jump in, Janine. <laughs> what what where my love of horror came from yeah you could sure if you want yeah um mine i owe all to my dad so we always similar to glenn we always had horror movies on and things that i probably shouldn't have seen if my mum went out my dad would be like oh well, let's just put this on and it would be like friday the 13th or a freddy movie or something and again, being British, we sort of grew up with the Hammer horror movies and all that kind of stuff. But also, um, although my dad's not a great reader, the few books that he had were Stephen King and things like that. So the very first King I read when I was about nine or ten was Salem's Lot. And OK, a, a fair bit of it kind of went straight over my head. But I just kind of thought to myself, wow, this is this is what I want and so, yeah, from quite a young age and again, sort of just the area that I grew up in in Somerset I was very rich with lots of myths and legends and local lore and all that kind of things. You know, that there was a tree that used to be a hanging tree back when we had the judges that used to hang people and that kind of stuff. There were haunted houses and a place there was a bottomless pit where the carriages used to go down. So we just like that kind of thing was just there. So it's quite a natural thing just to be like, oh, OK, this stuff's really cool, actually. <laughs> you're, you're surrounded by it. Now, uh, Glenn, we gave uh, we gave Janine a little bit of your spotlight, but that's OK. We're coming back to you because, Janine, I want to know, uh, rather than how did you get into horror, how did you get into Glenn Rolfe? Oh, OK. Right. So how did I get into Glenn? It's um, it's an, uh, basically when I first like joined the horror community um, and I decided to start reviewing books, NetGalley seemed to be the like, sort of most obvious way to do it. 
And I just happened to be looking through what was available in the horror. And I'd already seen, um, I'd already read a Brian Kirk book. So I knew about Flame Tree. And I saw that this book was coming out that people had likened to the Lost Boys. And I was like, vampires, 80s, Lost Boys, boom, I'm in. And that was it. So I read When um, when Summer Comes Around and that was it. I was hooked. <laughs> and I can remember reading it, loving it and messaging Glenn. I think we connected on the, I think it was Twitter. And I said, I've just read this. I absolutely love it. What should I read next? And that was when Glenn said, oh, well, a lot of people like Blood and Rain. And as soon as I read Blood and Rain, I was like, this guy is my favourite writer ever. <laughs> and that's it. Now I've got every single one of his books there plus i've read a few that nobody else has so (laughs) (laughs) so janine let's let's backtrack to that you know blood and rain originally came out with uh was it was it leisure glenn that that came out with no no i didn't i didn't quite make the leisure cut but uh it was sam hayne so it was when dawn yep i got hooked up with sam hayne um i was able to sneak in there with a couple of uh novellas first I think I sold him uh, Abrams Bridge and Boomtown. And then uh, he'd actually rejected Blood and Rain the first time I sent it to him. But this was like a couple of years, or maybe a year and a half prior to that. And then I told, him, I told him I fixed it uh, when I hadn't even fixed it yet. I just told him, I said, listen, after I sold him those two novellas, I was like, I reworked that werewolf book. I think you're really going to like what I've done to it. And he's like, all right, cool. Send it in. And I was like, shit now i've got like i gotta do this fairly quickly right because i just told him it was already finished so over like the next four or six weeks i i rearranged things cut out changed some characters and like i really went to town and pushed myself to like fix it up and it ended up being the version that's out there now so and he liked it so he took no and he didn't mind and he didn't mind that that uh that you know i'll send it to you now uh became four to six weeks how do, how do you play that off? No, he was he was just like, you know, I said, I, I think I told him I, I needed to touch it up a little bit more before I sent it to him. Bought myself a few weeks, I, I was hoping anyways, but he wasn't like strict on a time on a time period. I was that was more on me. I'm like, well, since I told him it's pretty much done, I've got to get this in in a timely manner, you know, so. Now, Blood and Rain is one of those. It's kind of the way I work with a lot of things, just like. I'll just say this is done and then <laughs> then have to bust my ass to make it happen. Well, yeah, that's that self-imposed deadline. You know, that's that's where you do your best work. You know, let's let's think back to those college days where they gave us three months to write an essay and we're all starting it at 10 o'clock the night before. You know, that's 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 how we achieve our best stuff. Now, Blood and Rain is one that has been sitting on my shelf and I am going to get to it one of these days. So I have not read it, but I, I really want. Janine's shaking her head at me. She's extremely disappointed, but that's okay because uh, she's going to tell me what it was about that book that you know spoke to her. For me, it was I'd already obviously read um, Glenn's vampire stuff, so I knew what he did with monsters, which was make them you know interesting proper monsters but also rather than just kind of like using them to be all splattery and whatnot you know gives them a personality um and that's something that I really like and there's a bit of humor in there again with the um 
the pop culture and stuff like there's always something I, I love with Glenn's work is you you can make yourself the character because you know what music they're listening to you know what clothes they're wearing all that kind of stuff and you can relate to it and some people think that that's kind of like too much information but for me that's what I like because it feels really immersive and Blood and Rain is just like whoa 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 it's like really quick as well but it works it's almost cinematic and one of my most favourite movies in the whole world, which a lot of people know, is Dog Soldiers. Because I just like that, you know, I like that fast-moving pace. Um, quiet horror, I think, is very, very clever, but it's not necessarily my thing. I quite like my books to be like movies, and I can just be involved in them. And that's what Blood and Rain was like. It was just brilliant, and I just wanted more. <laughs> so get writing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't tell at all from having read Twisted Tainted Tales that, you know, fast, bloody affairs are your thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hide it well. <laughs> so, Glenn, based off, you know, some of the stuff Janine threw out there, um, I was wondering if you'd talk a little bit about using nostalgia and like pop culture references in your books, because they are rife with them. And it, and, and it, you know, to a certain age group, it draws you right back into that time period and makes it immersive. I'm sorry. What did you say? I know you just said all that, but I totally no, missed it. No worries. Uh, what I said was, um, uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about using nostalgia and pop culture references to create an immersive environment in your books. I mean, they always say, write what you, what, what, what you want to read, you know what I mean? And those were always, King's always got pop culture stuff in everything he does too. So, and that's like Janine said, it draws you in and it like, surrounds you with things you you know in your regular life and i find it like i don't know why i don't know how anyone does it without doing that personally but um i don't know i like it i, I like that songs and stuff i always weave their way into my stories um because they're a part of my daily life anyways you know most of the stuff so that's why it's always in there for me and i do get um critiqued sometimes there's people there's definitely readers that like it knocks them out of the story or, or if they don't get the reference you know what i mean you can you can limit your uh connection with people that way but i don't i don't think about that kind of stuff when i'm writing i just i just write what what it feels like to me and hope that it connects with people and it, for the most part it does but i do i do get the uh occasional person will come out and say ah there's too many pop references in here pop culture references and stuff but that's going to happen. You know what I mean? You can't please everybody. So you got to please yourself first. And that's what I try to do. Oh, absolutely. You know, you're going to, you're going to get those reviews that say there's too much pop culture. It takes me out of the story, but you're going to get the flip side that said, that's what brings you into the story. Um, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm finding that myself being, being a bad author and diving into my reviews, which obviously people tell you not to, and I do it anyway, but, um, <laughs> You you find that, yeah, you find that, oh, well, this person, you know, didn't like this aspect, but this person really liked that same aspect. And you just learn really quick with that variety that, you know, well, you know what? I enjoyed writing the whole thing. So fuck them. Um, yep. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Which, which is which is a great attitude, you know, fuck the reader. But um, it's, you know, if Joe Lansdale can say it, then so can I. Right. Um, yeah. Sure. Why not? Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's exactly, I think what it needs to be there. The, the amount of, you know, references to songs. And I even found it in August's eyes, you know, not a ton of that story 
takes place in that, you know, same uh, 90s atmosphere or, you know, I'm thinking 80s with when summer comes around. It's just a portion of the story. And yet you feel that nostalgia piece, you know, even when characters of a certain age are talking about the music they listen to. They're not they're not talking about Lil Nas X. They're not talking about what's on the radio now. They're talking about uh, what made an impression on them growing up. And with that in mind, what they still listen to. Uh, and again, I think that's a big portion of the character of your stories. So Janine, I want to throw it to you. You have any questions you want to throw out? We're kind of in blood and rain. We could go to another place. Put it on your shoulders. Okay. Um, what made you decide to make August Eyes almost more of a thriller rather than straight horror? Uh, I don't know. It was, it's, it's definitely a weird book. Like when I started, when I got the idea, it was like, it was, I got the idea for this book before Blood and Rain even came out. Um, I moved to a town that just had a lot of graveyards and a lot of cemeteries or whatever. And I just, I remember looking around and saying, this is like graveyard land for crying out loud with all these. And when I said that, I was like, I've got to put that down somewhere. And I kind of wrote uh, the first couple of chapters then, because that's usually what I do when I get an idea for a story or a book or whatever. I sit down, I I can make myself write at least until that, that little, whatever that energy is stops. And then this one, because there was, there is a dream world element in there. um, And I, knew I was going to have to try to weave it in and out like with reality and stuff. And I hadn't really done that in, in uh, any kind of book or story yet. And, and to, I think it was 2014 or whatever, when I had that, yeah, that idea and wrote those first couple chapters, I knew I wasn't ready as a writer to tackle that yet. I don't, I didn't think I had the skills to do that yet. Um, Cause I knew this is a, I, I can't mess this up. You know what I mean? This is a great idea. I don't know where it's going to go yet, but it feels like something special. And I'm not ready as a writer to make it as good as I want it to be. So I set it aside. And I always I always saw it in that a couple of notebooks or whatever, my computer or whatever. I look at it and go, oh, I got to get, get doing something with that sometime. And then other projects just came up. But um, when I finally got writing it. Um, I had to decide what, what is graveyard land and how am I going to, where's this all going? And at the time I had just finished reading, um, killer clown, the John Wayne Gacy book, which was devastating and horrifying. And it definitely felt like something I needed to get out of my system. So I kind of said, well, I wanted, I haven't tackled serial killers either in my story. So I kind of started envisioning that kind of thing. Um, and once you bring in like a serial killer aspect, it's it's gonna be, I think, more thriller, leaning towards thriller than straight up horror. But I did have a little, I have the little supernatural a- aspects in there too. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, I don't know what I was just saying. Sorry, <laughs> I just, it's uh, yeah, that went towards thriller just because of the the uh, serial killer aspect of it. Glenn, yeah. I, ha- I have Axel. a. Axel has something he does want to say. He did. He did come up with a piece of this book. Yeah. So why don't you tell him what you came up with? So, um, eyes in his notebook, and then he 
then he looked at them good. He saw a leg coming out of them. Then a hundred million spiders came crawling out. Oh, yeah, that's a, I, I hated that part in the best way. It made my skin crawl. So good job, man. What's your YouTube name? Waffles are amazing. Okay, waffles are amazing. He doesn't have a YouTube channel yet, but he's got a name. So, and he's got plenty of. <laughs> it's gonna be gaming. Yeah. So, but yeah, he did come up with that that scene. I did draw. I did draw. Like, I was just kind of imagining August, and I think there was yeah, like he said, he saw lightning. He's like, imagine if a bunch of spiders started just crawling out, and I was like, that's that's brilliant to use the word that Janine would use. I'm like, yeah. totally. So <laughs> that didn't end up in the book. So. He was Glenn, I got a question for your son, Axel. Does he, I know he's very young, but does he have any interest right now in writing now or when he gets older? Um, what are you doing? Are you writing any horror books? What? Probably with, in my spare time, a video game. <laughs> I would be a video game YouTuber. All right. He's actually written a couple of, like, ideas. Uh, what, there was the Manlador? The Manlador is like no, a... No, no, no. We got rid of that idea because that's like a... I found out that that's actually not a real thing. It's like a happy um, But the <laughs> Manlador transformed into something called... The Scorpio. Scorpio. And it's a He's got ideas. He's I been messing with them. We would do. Uh, he would tell me what he want. What he wanted to happen, and we would kind of draw like the pictures. So I've got a couple of his little uh, his ideas sitting around. So. Oh yes, by the way, when we make our. When he's not gaming, he's in his spare time. <laughs> in his spare time. <laughs> <laughs> Werewolf book about fighting. Oh yeah. So. Um, there has to be bloody pictures in there. Okay. Oh, obviously. Is there anything that you can tell us about stuff that you're working on at the moment? What can we look forward to? Um, well, I've got all kinds of stuff that's coming eventually here. Um, Silver Shamrock is, I signed a three novella deal with them. Um, so there's uh, the first one that's coming out is, well, actually, my short story collection, next one's coming out through them. That's uh, Nocturnal Pursuits. And uh, that'll be out, I think, November is when that comes out. And then either uh, December or January, uh, my novella, Something in the Groove, comes out. And that has to do with the Haunted Halls. If anyone's ever read the Haunted Halls, one of my older books, um, the main character in there is back for this one. And then uh, Chasing Ghosts 2, which is probably going to be called The Cobbs, but maybe not. I don't know for sure. <laughs> that one, uh, I'm almost, I'm probably just past the halfway point in that one and I'm loving it. And it's, I'm trying to keep it fast and furious, just like the first one. Um, and after that, there's another uh, novella that I'm going to write for them that I haven't started an outline or anything for. Um, but it's going to be based off a song that I love. Um, it just felt like when I hear this one song, I'm like, I have to write this story. And it, this one's going to be, I don't know what the horror aspect of it's going to be because it's, it might be, a. a, a I don't know. I don't want to get it. It's going to be very dramatic, but I, somehow there's going to be a horror twist. I haven't figured out yet, but um, that one's going to be a little bit different. Um, and then I have a splatter Western that I'm working on, obviously. Um, 
that I sh I'll have done by December as well. And then there's all kinds of books that are just waiting to be written. So Pen Rain 2 is halfway done. Uh, I've started, I talked to Don about possibly doing a sequel to Until Summer Comes Around. So that might be down the road. I just submitted a uh, outline and some sample chapters for a book I'm calling The Mask that um, I'm hoping is my next Flame Tree book, but we'll see. So yeah, this, there's all kinds of crazy nonsense. There is. Your fire is overflowing with irons. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious about that because I know there's a lot of writers who focus in on one project at a time. If they're working on a novel, they can't, you know, they can't go away from it for fear of, I don't know, because I'm not like that, but um, for fear of losing the voice, the, you know, the, the headspace, the characters, um, you know, and there's others who gravitate between two projects uh, in case they you know, hit a wall with one, they can jump to the other. But it seems like you've got 10 things going. So <laughs> talk about that a little bit. You know, how, how do you balance uh, working on that multitude of things? I don't know. Writer's ADD, I guess. It's just all yeah. over the place. Like, I, I like having the freedom of, like, these characters are talking to me right now. Like you said, you're like, you, you get this, and I'll run with it as long as that juice is flowing. And sometimes I make myself go back in to try to get, things done in a timely manner but um like right now i'm working back and forth on two stories so for the most part i set i set the uh, splatter western aside i'm going to come back to that after i get these other two projects banged out um and then i i don't know whenever don gets back to me about uh the mask we'll see what happens there but um i don't know i just i i always have them up in my computer and just like sometimes i'll have them both the two projects I'm working on right now up and I'll go back and forth. Like I'll spend like an hour with this one and then go back to this one. And it's really easy for me because it's, I think of it just like, 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 like I do with my reading, I'll be reading like three or four different books at the same time. And I get people that'll be like, Oh, I can't read more than one book at a time. And I'm like, it's just like TV, you know, back, back when you'd watch regular television where you'd be half an hour with this show, half an hour with that show or an hour with this show. And you kept everything straight. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, it wasn't like it is today. I mean, so I kind of feel the same way when I'm writing or reading. Like, I'll spend an hour with this with these, with this group of characters, and then I'll go over to this one. And it's only been one time that I can remember that I ever, like, accidentally started writing something from the other project into this project. And I think it was, uh, I don't remember what book I was writing, but it was Becoming. One of my books, Becoming, I started to, like, bring the monster from that story a creature from that story into another story by accident. I was like, oh shit, no, I'm working on the wrong one. <laughs> but that was a few years ago. So I haven't done that since, but um, I know it's, it's comes easy to me uh, to, to just jump from one cast of characters into the, into the other one. Cause I just love all these little worlds. So. No, I, I kind of made that same connection with reading, like, you know, and I'll, you know, I'll have periods where I'm, deep into like six, seven, eight books. And, you know, sometimes I'll finish, you know, one and then the next day I'll finish another, but then there'll be other periods where I'm like a hundred pages into each one. And it's just, I go like a week or two without finishing a book. Do you ever get a sense of like, if you're working on all these projects, do you ever feel frustrated? Like you're just working and you're never um, getting that sense of completion for long periods of time? No, no, Good. not really. I mean, I don't worry about that. The only thing I worry about is deadlines. You know, if you got to hit a deadline, that's about it. Um, 
and I don't get worried if, if like, if the ideas aren't flowing, if the, you know, you just, your brain's like muddled up or whatever. That happens to me quite a bit because I don't sleep very much. So like I'll have days where I, maybe I drank too many beers the night before or whatever. Or I'm just exhausted and I'll sit down. I'll, I'll try to work. I always try to like just pull it up, read some, read some of whatever I wrote last and then try to continue the story. And I don't get that frustrated if, if nothing's happening, if I'm not feeling it, I don't, I'll, I'll try a little bit, but if I'm not feeling it, I just let it go, shut it back down and, and either go rest or go work out or go do something else. You know what I mean? Um, I know I have faith in these stories that they're going to, they're going to get finished. They're there. And I just, they'll come in their own time, but I always try to, you got to sit down and try to start, you know what I mean? And sometimes if it doesn't work that at that moment, you just back off, take a break. Don't get worried about it. It's, it's, it'll come. You're probably, you're probably more than likely like stressed out about regular life. You know what I mean? And that's getting in the way. So you need to just go take care of some of that stuff first and then come back. But I always, I always, I always know it's going to work out once I get back in there. That's such a good mentality to have. And I have, I, I have to imagine it comes with the experience, you know, you've got, more than a fair few books out in the world under your name, and of course, you know, double that many under on, on your computer going right now. But uh, I know there'll be days where I'm like, okay, it's it's whatever time, and I've got two hours to write right now, and that's all I've got. And you know, whether it's coming or not, you force yourself to sit, and it's not necessarily a good way to be. Um, sometimes it's a necessary one, but not you know necessarily good. Um, Janine, I want to bring you in, and if you have follow-ups on this topic, I want to hear them, but I, I'm also kind of curious what your take on working on multiple uh, multiple projects at the same time is. I, I definitely read way too many books all at once, um, especially for, like, I might be, um, like, so I'm reading um, Slattery Falls at the moment for um, horror DNA, and then I'm reading um, uh, like different something for cemetery dance and something for scream because that's what the editors send you. So and then I always have got at least one book on the go that I is my because sometimes you almost become a bit resentful when you're being sent all of these books, especially when they're things that you might not necessarily have chosen to read. Uh, obviously not with Slattery Force. <laughs> um, you know, some of the stuff, that, especially that I get sent from Scream, might not be things that I would ever pick. So I always have at least one book that is something that I really want to read. And at the moment it is Mr. Brian Keane, Castaways, which is at the moment absolutely amazing you know everything that you hear about Brian Keane's books is like just so true he's just so... and I almost see it um as education because you're learning from the master you know if you when you're reading the books like that like I try and we haven't had that many leisure books over here it's really really hard to find them in the UK so I kind of get them off eBay and stuff and I'm trying to build a collection up but the way that when I read them rather than feeling guilty oh I can't read this for review and I've got all of these other stuff I just see it as I'm learning stuff all the time but as for multiple um works in progress I'm I find it quite difficult to do that so if I've got one main project I tend to stick with that and then if I'm doing short stories that's okay but especially with deadlines I couldn't have like three or four deadlines it would just absolutely freak me out 
I wouldn't be able to do it. But I know it's the way Glenn works and he's used to that. That's just his mentality and the way that it works for him. And obviously it does work because he's got all these amazing books. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you have to find what works for you. Yes, I can see that, Patrick. Good job. Um, So (laughs) kind of on that, I love what you said uh, with, you know, making time uh, to read, uh, call it a classic. Um, and not feeling guilty about it. You know, I think it ties into that idea of when you set aside time for writing, um, it can be straight up writing. It can be editing. It can be outlining. It can be working on your website, sending emails, you know, uh, anything involved in the process. If you, you know, justify it and absolutely, I think it is justifiable as I'm studying right now, I'm, you know, learning, I'm taking a step away from writers who have been published in the last like three or four years, which of course, nothing wrong with that, but you do have to kind of see where the roots come in and it gives your writing just so much more flavor, um, to, to know your history. So Glenn, when we asked you what got you into horror, we mostly talked about, uh, movies, uh, with this in mind, who are some, you know, influences, be they, you know, 80s, 90s or before or even modern writers that you just really like their stuff? Yeah, for me, obviously, uh, the, I didn't even start reading horror books until I was 17. I think a buddy of mine gave me The Dark Half by Stephen King and I read that and loved it. And then I think I read Desperation or something after that. Loved that. Then I went into this Anne Rice kick where I read like the first four Vampire Chronicles or whatever. Uh, is that what it is? Vampire Chronicles? Yeah, last time I said the Vampire Diaries, I think, when I was talking about Anne Rice. So that was <laughs> But uh, yeah, after that, then I went to, I remember going to um, Borders. We had a Borders in Portland. And I went there specifically looking for authors that weren't King and Rice because I wanted to see what else is out here. And that's when I found Bentley Little. Um, I got The House by Bentley Little and The Rising by Brian Keene. And that whole new world, you know what I mean? Reading those two books so from those two authors, just like, I have to have all of this now. I got Who else is on this shelf that I don't know? And Jack, Jack Ketchum and everybody else. Like So for me, um, yeah, I really went haywire then. Like That was early 2000s, I think, 2004 or something. Uh, for, my favorite writers are obviously King, uh, Brian Keene. Ronald Malfi for the newer authors. Um, I love everything he does as well. Jack Ketchum, Bentley Little, and Richard Lehman. Those are like my, that's like my big, big guys right there. So, and there's plenty of writers writing now, but so many indie writers right now. It's like hard to keep up with everybody, you know? Oh, it's impossible. I mean, like, I'm looking at Janine's shelves behind her and, you know, I've got mine behind me. I'm thinking probably, you know, less than 50% of the stuff behind me I've read just looks nice. (laughs) Um, Janine, I don't know what your ratio is, but it's, I'll never never hit it all before I die. (laughs) Now, (laughs) when you started writing, um, did you try and imitate any of those people or... Was it just kind of, you know, I'm going to tell the story that's in my head and whatever comes out, comes out? Yeah. I mean, obviously your influences are going to leak in there. Um, But I never I never tried to write like anyone but me. Um, I'd been in bands and stuff and written. I'd been a songwriter. So I kind of written 
tiny stories. You know what I mean? I, I always, I didn't always write story songs, but the story songs were always my favorite songs. Like the ones that you actually follow a little bit of a story with. So I kind of had that and I just took that into, I stopped playing in bands for a while and I started writing because uh, I think leisure, leisure had just crumbled or whatever. Dorchester publishing just, just fell, fell under. And at that same time, I stopped playing in bands and uh, my work, my job I had at a hotel, uh, they decided to close. They were going to level the place and build a new place. Uh, so I was unemployed at the time too. And I just felt like, all right, I don't have my band anymore. I don't have work anymore. I had two, my daughters were both tiny and, uh, I was like, I've got to do something. I got to, I got to create something. And I had a couple of short stories that I had kind of just scribbled in notebooks in between songwriting, just for, you know, fun, just messing with, around with stuff. And I, it was when I took those stories and started putting them on my computer because they were in notebooks. And when I started transcribing them into my computer, that's where like all this stuff started happening. Like, like blood and rain was like one of the big ones that it was a, just a I don't know, nine or 10 pages in a notebook. And I was like, this would make a really good opening chapter for a book. I want to, and, and, and I remember thinking that when I wrote it in that notebook, this feels like it could be a book. I don't know how to write books. And I just shut that notebook, just like left it alone until that time when I started putting it in my computer. Uh, and that got me started. And from there it was, I've told this story before where like I had a Facebook group of friends that would were reading leisure horror books. And I shared this, this chapter with them. And then they were like, that's awesome. What happens next? I was like, I don't know. Let's find out. And I went and started and then they kept it saying the same thing. Awesome. What happens next? What well, I want the next chapter and the next chapter. And then before I knew it, I was halfway through that book and eventually finished it. Like it took four months, I think for the first draft for that book. And then I just didn't stop. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if anything, you picked up, uh, you, you picked up momentum like a rolling snowball. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Janine, do you want to take it or you want me to? You. <laughs> oh, me. Okay. All right. So, uh, Glenn, I want to talk about Patreon. Um, so Patreon is, you know, a great tool for writers, but I feel like, and this is just my opinion, I feel like there are, you know, really good ways to do it where you uh, supply the people who pledge to you with, you know, something worth pledging for, something worth tuning in for and paying attention. Uh, and yours is one of those that I would recommend to just about anybody. I feel like, you know, that uh, the five bucks a month that I put in on it, it's just, you know, I'm happy to do it because you're posting very regularly. You know, I get a paperback in the mail every, every time you put one out. Um, it's so I wonder what, you know, what kind of thought process went into crafting an experience for patreon users i don't know it seemed really cool it seemed like a cool idea and at the time i, I originally when i started doing it is because i hadn't been writing very many short stories and i wanted to start writing short stories again and i work well on deadlines and so i was like if i can put up one short story a month you know whatever kind of story it didn't have to be horror but what it probably would be but that was my initial uh reason doing it um i didn't know how many people i would get or whatever and i didn't really care that much i was just trying to motivate myself and then once i got some people i was like well these people deserve something you know what i mean so i'm like it seemed it seemed uh, obvious like if you're getting five bucks a month over a year you know what i mean 
they've earned a book for crying out loud. So I don't, I love doing, I love being able to sign them and send them out and um, do that. And then I had uh, the first year um, we did, um, I did collect a bunch of the stories and put them just in a collection that I sent to people just to Patreon, my Patreon followers. So some, some of the early people have that original collection with them. Um, but I also like to try to put in like uh, writing advice and thought process and that kind of stuff on there too. Cause I know there's a lot of uh, newer writers and want to want to be writers, people hoping to be writers, aspiring writers, whatever. Um, <clears throat> and I always try to give back that way too. I don't get on there as much as I, I would like to. I mean, I have these, every time I keep, I get all these ideas going, I get these, grand ambitions like i'm gonna do this and this and this and then life happens and you're like oh shit but um, i'm hoping to get back in there a lot this 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 summer's been a little hectic with some personal stuff going on but i'm hoping that it works out well and i can get back in there and put up some more fresh stories i went back because i didn't have time to give new stories i went back and found i thought it'd be interesting for people to look at like where well how i'm writing now to, compared to when i started so i found all these early short stories on my computer that um i thought i'd share so i'm sending some of those i i had a the thing i had a lot of fun with was i have a uh, becoming is one of my books that came out in 2017 and it's a book that i had worked on for like three years like on and off again you know what i mean how i work on things um and it used to be like a 70,000 word book. And then I just couldn't get happy with the whole thing. So I scrapped it and started over again and made a different version with a completely different like creature in it. Uh, but I just sent out on there, I sent out uh, the original version of that of that story too. So people could check that out. I was rereading it when I put it up and I was like, I really love this version still. I'm going to have to find a way to fix this book still and put it back out officially. But just Glenn. giving, if, if I can't come up with new content, I try to find something that might be interesting. You know what I mean? I, I want to give uh, as much as I can. But it's also hard when you're trying to write all these other projects and yeah. life's going on. And, but I try. So I'm hope I'm I'm glad to hear that that it's worth it because that's why I haven't I, I I wouldn't go above five bucks just because you have to really be able to commit and uh, make it a major priority if you're going to go up any more than that and you have to really give good content and i i just try to give decent content and hope that it it uh it it works so well patrick i'm gonna cut the line real quick uh assuming you're changing the subject um but okay um in that case go ahead <laughs> i just had one question i'm really curious as to how far back those earliest stories go uh, probably 2013, 14, wow. maybe. I think, I think most of them, most of the, the ones I, I've, uh, I had to go into my hotmail. Okay. Hotmail. I love hotmail. It might as well be like the carbonite or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, I can go <laughs> and find anything I have sent to myself. Like, cause I would always write at home and then I would send it to my email and then at work. Cause I worked overnights on like weekends. I would pull those up from my email. So they're all in there still. So it's like I find all this stuff that I that I, I might have forgotten about and maybe didn't transfer over to my new computer. I dug up all these old stories. So um, some of them are embarrassing, you know, but that's part of the process. You know what I mean? It's like you could see maybe what I was trying to do or whatever. And, uh, but I thought that would be cool, too, to share with 
with the newer writers just to be like, see, you don't just start off writing this book. You've got to write all these terrible stories first and eventually, hopefully get to a point where you're feeling pretty good about your writing. You know what? Not only my wife, but Brennan often busts my tail about, and actually, I think, but Ken McKinley too has busted my chops about still having a Hotmail account. But I still have all my original stories. Where I did the same, I still do the same thing when I'm at work, lunch break. I email it to myself. That's the only way I can get it. And I still have things when I started really focusing on, all right, I want to be a novelist. It was back in 2013. And uh, I got my, I can see all my original rejections to like, was a lamppost magazine was one of them. I remember because uh, at Scares That Care, they were right behind Silver Shamrock Table and I got to know them. Really nice people. And I'm like, this is funny. Like, uh, I see why you guys rejected my stuff. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's weird. It's all very strange, but yes, Hotmail. I like it. Take it, take that, Brennan. <laughs> you know, I will continue busting your chops for Hotmail, but I'll also keep in mind there is a very prominent writer who uses an AOL.com email address. Well, <laughs> we don't have to name him here, but... <laughs> arguably the world's biggest independent publisher. It's not specific. No one knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, so, you know, you mentioned the, the original draft of Becoming, and, you know, that, that's the type of thing that stuck out to me. Uh, basically, content that you can't get anywhere else. Um, you know, you're a fan of my work. Look what this started as. Um, and there was another one I remember uh, probably over a year ago where you said, you know, I haven't shared a short story with you guys in a while. I actually withdrew this one from, uh, for, you know, anthology consideration. And, you know, here you go. I'm really proud of this one. And, and I thought that was really cool. Now, you've already covered some of this, but what advice would you give people who are starting out their own Patreon as far as, you know, drawing in that crowd and getting people to pledge and have it be worth it? Well, it's interesting, but I want to go back real quick on that story that you're just talking about, because that was for uh, Midnight in the Pentagram. It was going to oh. go. I sent that to Ken. And um, no, that was going to be my story for that. But he hadn't, you know, he hadn't read it yet. And this was just when COVID just started. We had just shut down at my work. And it was like at that. It was like April, I think, March or April of 2020. And I know Ken pays really well for these short stories. I know he puts a lot of money into these into these anthologies. And at that moment in time, I was like, I can't ask this. Guy. I'm not. I'm not asking anybody to give me money right now. Who knows who's got money and where it's going to be? What we everything was so upside down and like mystery. Like we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know how long this was going to last. Um, so part of it was I felt bad. I didn't want to. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't know that Ken would actually follow through. I thought, you know, everything should pause right now. We should pause all of this stuff. Don't worry about this. We need to worry about real life. And then I thought about the Patreon page and I'm like, I don't know. Cause I was really anxious. Like a lot of people were, I didn't know if I was going to be writing how much I was going to be writing or what I was going to be able to accomplish. And I was like, I have that really good story. And that, yeah, like you said, that's why I, I took it. I asked Ken if I could have it back. I said, you haven't, I don't think you've read this yet. Cause I haven't heard back from you. I want to, I want to withdraw it. 
and and put it up on my my Patreon page just because I want to make sure I have some a good content for for my people, uh, especially if you were paying through through that because. I mean, if I had been saving every penny I had, you know, but that was before the stimulus stuff all started. So that relaxed everything a little bit. But it was in that moment that that uh, where what the hell is going on in the world right now? What are we going to look like in like six months? You know what I mean? So it was scary. And I just I just wanted to use it for that because I I'd been in the first uh, anthology and I wasn't really I don't get like hung up on trying to get into an anthology with a bunch of awesome writers because done that a few times so it's not like a priority to me um, i would have been cool i think it would have fit really well but um ken is still going to put it out because it's going to be my short story collection that he's doing oh. so i was like ken see you still got that story <laughs> well anyways i just had to tell that story um as for writers just starting out with uh with patreon i mean You've got to try to do something of your own, but I mean, giving advice is pretty, pretty standard. I think it, it should be, I would think if you're, if you're someone that people are coming to for that kind of thing, um, advice is always good. Um, and sharing failures and, and successes and how you got there. I like that kind of stuff. Um, I like hearing it from everybody else too. I like seeing how everyone else worked up to get these things. Uh, so I would always include that if I was a newer writer, just like, I know I see, I don't know which author it is. If it's Gwendolyn Kist, I think that's how she says her last name. I, I keep hearing Kist or Kist. Uh, I think she has a, something about, uh, I can't remember how it says it. It's something about like my weekly or monthly. I can't remember. Just, just keeping people posted on what you've submitted and how it's going or whatever. Like the, rejections or acceptances whatever just like let it it's all it happens to all of us so just let it roll and uh, go with it i like when people are open and transparent about that kind of stuff like there's no need to be ashamed if you get rejected because we're all getting rejected a thousand billion times if we're if we're submitting to anthologies or magazines or whatever a thousand million times i got i got i loved it man i just used it the first two years i got so many rejections but the stories were were pretty crappy i think looking at them now um but i was trying you know what i mean and and every rejection just made me want to try harder and write better so i like that kind of stuff i like like seeing that from everybody um i don't think there's any shame in it at all especially if you're actually trying to get better and not just sending that same crappy story Oh, I'll fix two words in it and then I'll send it to the next guy, you know, cause there is part of that. Part of it is that like, you've got to find the editor that gets what you're doing, but, but you can't be like that. Like as a writer, like just sending the same exact version of the story to everyone. If everyone, if you've got like a bunch of rejections on it already, you got to look at yourself and try to better the story too. Some of these editors kind of know what they're talking about. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and you know, stories are pretty fun, like putting up stories and that kind of content is something I look to. I wanted to do a serial novel. I like that. I like it when when authors do the serial novels on Patreon, too. It's a nice way to get people coming back, especially if you put up like a chapter or two a month or whatever. But I was going to do that. But all of my crazy ideas, you know, I, I have one that I'm, I'm working on called Bring Me to Life that I really want to get back into. But. So you, even even now, I'm still trying and failing, you know what I mean? And I, I'm grateful no one's yelling at me about it, but 
uh, except Axel. Axel's yelling at me about it. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got to make something of your own on there, too. I'd like to put, like, more music on mine because um, I love jamming out on my acoustic. So I'd like to do some more of that. But I didn't get to make it personal and, and transparent. I like that. You didn't even get to <laughs> I, I totally agree with that whole, you know, element of uh, you know, my word, not yours, but humanizing it. Um, and, you know, something you mentioned there is posting about rejections. And, you know, if there's an author who, you know, is on your shelf, who has definitely had some success um, and they're posting, well, you know, I got a rejection here. Oh, well, back to the grind. Um, it, to me, that's just another variation on that idea of wherever you're at on the author chain, uh, you know, uh, having one hand forward to learn and get help from the people in front of you, but also one hand back to help the people who are coming along behind you. Um, and, you know, random shout out, not a question, but I can't think of, you know, many people who do that learning from the masters, but helping the people coming along better than Janine over there. Um, well, I, I mean, who, who shouts out, you know, horror more than you do? And, you know, you're, we're, we're seeing your, you know, stories get in here, there and everywhere. Uh, you know, speaking of, of the midnight anthologies, you know, we'll see you in there and, um, you're always there on Twitter, not to shout about yourself, but, you know, to shout about everybody else. So, you know, well-deserved shout out, I think. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> and, and, and Janine is fit, nothing but very kind. Um, even when there's moments, and we all have them, where people are mean, she's still so nice. I just the, uh, try to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as hard as some people make it look. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> the, the last thing I would throw out about, about Patreon is that um, I think even if you are just adding, you know, here's a song I banged out on the acoustic guitar, you know, for fun. Um, here's here's a story I wrote in 2013. Thought you might have some fun with it. Uh, I think the consistent, relatively consistent po posting is important. I mean, every once in a while, I'll get like an email. So and so posts on Patreon and I'll have legitimately forgot that I was, you know, pledging to that person because I haven't seen anything from them in like three months. Um <laughs> So, I mean, just that sense of, I haven't forgotten about you. Uh, here's a tidbit, even if it's just something little, um, I, I think is is pretty neat. All right, Janine, I'm throwing it. I was going to say, I'm throwing it back to you, but then I cut off Glenn. So rude. There you are. <laughs> okay. Um, have you got anything that you would really love to work on or like a dream publisher that you would love to work with? Uh, well, I love working with Don. So Flame Tree is like, it's just, that's like, I've succeeded. You know what I mean? I feel like I've made these goals when I started writing, like I wanted to get published because I love the leisure books. So I wanted to get published by Don. Like if Don, Don read my story. He's the guy that accepted all these great books by Keen and everyone else. If he read my story and said, yes, I like this, I'll take it. I, I was like, that's it. I don't need to do anything else. That's what I, it's all I wanted to do was get, get, uh, be on Don's roster. You know what I mean? And I've succeeded in that in two places with him. So I'm pretty good there. I mean, obviously I'd love to be able to, I'd be, it'd be cool to make more money and to like get on a, a big publisher and get, be able to 
you know, work three days a week at the hotel and make the rest of my money writing books. That would be cool. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's about it for me. I feel I feel very comfortable where I'm at. And uh, Ken, I love Ken, too. And I'm, I'm excited to get to work with Silver Shamrock um, going forward as well. Um, so congrats on that and sing to you, Janine. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, a lot of writers tend to um, kind of go from novels to screenplays and things like that. Is that anything that you've ever been interested in, whether it be I, TV or movie or anything like that? No, I'm very interested in that. And that, that was one of my goals before uh, summer got flipped upside down a little bit. That was one of my goals is to try to take one of these books. I'm like, I already have the content. Now you've got all these books. I don't have to like come up with ideas. All I've got to do is, all right, what does this, what do I need from this book? To shrink it down into the screenplay. You know what I mean? Um, that's definitely a goal of mine over the next year. I want to at least make one screenplay out of one of the books. I haven't decided which book, but I tell you what, so, um, out, of, out of one of them. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to. I mean, I think that's, That'd be the easiest way is if you write your own screenplay to shop it around or find, then find someone that can shop it around for you or whatever. But it's definitely a goal of mine, too, for sure. Well, I'm going to put my vote in for until summer comes around. <laughs> that's, that's, probably, that's probably the one I'm leaning towards, too, actually, because I think it would, it would translate pretty, pretty easily. Like Janine said, it's very cinematic anyway. So, so All right, now we. We, we've kind of been bouncing around like kids on a trampoline uh, and we touched on August size, but I want to come back there real quick. Um, right. Now, first off, we, we went into the book as a thriller without any kind of synopsis. So I wonder if you could give listeners the elevator pitch real quick. I'm so bad at elevator pitches. I can't do it. It's like everybody is. You have to do it, though. <laughs> Everything's important, even if it's, you know, not like the selling points of the book. But it's basically... Uh, a, a guy that witnesses something as a kid and kind of uh, runs away and uh, blocks it, blocks that bad thing out of his mind uh, until he starts having these dreams about these, these uh, kids. And then it sort of comes back to him uh, slowly. He starts remembering something that he's purposely forgotten. Um, and it goes from there, <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's interesting, like, uh, bringing in the serial killer aspect was a lot of fun, and I'm glad I finally got to do that in a book, because I had never done that before either. And the dream world, it was fun to try to figure out how that was going to work. Um, but, yeah, I'm not good at elevator pitches, so that's about as far as I get. And then I'm like, see, it's, it's going to be good. Go read it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> August 17th, go read it. Um, now, I, I had a question that I don't have anymore because you already answered it, but I did want to touch on this. Um, you, you mentioned that the inspiration for, you know, drawing a serial killer into the story was from reading that John Wayne Gacy book. Um, I thought that the way this read, uh, where the disappearance at the beginning, it just read like, uh, you know, shoved under the rug news story that you'd read in a local town. And I wondered if there was any truth to it, if, you know, anywhere you grew up had something like that. But I think it speaks, you know, the fact that you kind of um, crafted it mostly just from reading that that John Wayne Gacy book, 
I think it speaks to that imagination and that authenticity to be able to kind of put something together like that. Um, so, and, and what's the process from reading that book to creating a very like finely honed, you know, urban legend or myth, if you will. I don't know. It was, uh, it was something, uh, it was something, uh, uh you don't know. You don't know. No, um, I lost my train of thought again. Sorry, guys. Um, what did you say? I'm sorry. No, no worries, man. Um, I was, I was just thinking about, you know, the way that you brought together the, you know, I can't think of a better way to describe it than an urban legend, you know, uh, the way that small towns kind of have something checkered happen in their history and it almost evolves into an urban legend. It just had this, this truth about it, the way you wrote it. So I was wondering, you know, how you kind of found that, that place as opposed to just, you know, yeah, it's based on John Wayne Gacy, but you're not, you know, copying words, you know. Right. Verbatim. Right. Um, like you said, small towns just tend to have all those secrets, you know what I mean? Um, and I brought in that first, the the prologue that, like you said, that draws people into the story instantly. Uh, when I had written those first three chapters, that wasn't that wasn't on there. It wasn't until I had finished the outline and then was getting ready to send on the 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 sample chapters i was like it doesn't start right i i want to write a prologue for this i want to write what what happened first you know what i mean and that so much of that that opening is like that's uh where i grew up it's what i did every day there's all kinds of stuff like there's a there's a, just a small scene like where where uh john is almost hit get hit almost gets hit by a car at the beginning like sticks his foot on the hood like that close to like getting it stops just there that happened to me that was real like i bring all that's that's why it's probably so authentic because i bring in so much of my real life and it's it's like i don't know it's it's seamless for me it's like I, this has to be in here there's all kinds of little things that you can use and that's that that opening especially like i can envision all of that stuff because i can i can see it right now because it's spears corner is basically gardner which is the town i grew up next to in west garden i like mashed them into one place and just called it spears corner but there is a spears corner road that uh the fairbank cemetery is actually on um well yeah most of this, uh, all the cemeteries in the story are real they might be i might have reworked them a little bit for my story but um yeah, uh, I even put like my librarian is in this book. The librarian down at the Gardner Public Library, Ann Davis. She's she's the librarian at the Spears Corner Public Library. Um, uh, but yeah, that that John Wayne Gacy story just like killed me. Like I read, I think I read about half of it, and I just had to stop because it, I felt so foul. It's mm -hmm. so brutal, and um, it really had just had that. It just stuck with me. You know what I mean? I didn't purposely bring it in when I started writing my serial killer, like it just kind of crept over my shoulder. You know what I mean? This Llewellyn Caswell is the serial killer in my book. And he just, it, these, these creepy vibes from, from what I'd read just kind of like were pulling at me while I was writing it. You know, I, mean? I don't, you know, I don't know how much of it was a conscious thing as so much as it was just like something in the dark, like pulling at me, you know what I mean? And 
it, uh, from there, I don't know. It just, just seemed to happen. I don't know. I didn't like, there wasn't a lot of thinking, even though I did, I did write an outline for it. Um, yeah, it just, I'm glad it happened the way it did. I was worried. I was worried when I started like saying, okay, I know this book is the next book I want to send to Dawn, but all I've got are those three chapters. I have to come up with the story now. What is Graveyard Land? Why is Graveyard Land? You know, how is Graveyard Land? And I set out writing the outline. I think I wrote the outline in like one afternoon. So um, I got really excited because outlining is so crazy. Like you get the same thrill of like, I just, I just wrote a book. When you finish an outline, if it's a proper outline, I think, because you come up with how every, where everything goes, what leads to what and how it ends. You have to have all of that stuff, which scared the shit out of me before I'd ever written one. But <laughs> When I wrote the first one I wrote was for until summer comes around. And then this is the second one I've written. And now I finally get a third one. But you get that same thrill when you write, when you get to that end scene. I mean, you don't have all the details, but you have the ideas of what's going to happen. And you, and you stop and you write the end. That's the end of the outline. You're just like, holy fuck, I have a whole book here. All I got to do is like sit down and like work through it. But it's like all of that crazy stuff that you're worried about as a, a seat of your pants writer. Like, how am I going to get to, how's this going to get to an ending? You know what I mean? I, I do both still. I still write both ways. Um, but I really, really love doing outlines. It's, it's a little stressful, but it's it's, it's worth it. That's yeah. why often you asked me. I went on my own thing, man. That's what I tend to do. No, it's interesting, though. Uh, Pat, were you jumping in? Yeah. Um, you, you write a lot of your stories. I, I haven't read all of them, but um, I'm going to assume most are based in Maine. I'm curious if, is it intimidating? Because whether you like him or not, Stephen King's the most successful author ever. Um, and he writes a lot of his stories in Maine. Is it intimidating or hindering in any way to write about that state when it's been covered by, by him? No, no, I don't, I don't think about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Cause you got to write what you know, mm -hmm. to a point, you know what I mean? To a certain point. And I've been here forever. I mean, I've also lived in Colorado and California for like a minute. Um, traveled around plenty, but uh, everything always feels right to me when I'm writing in Maine. So if I lived other places, that's probably what I'd write about. And I, but I don't I don't ever think about like King stuff because I just work on my own, my own crazy little world. So it's a big state, you know, and if you. Uh, if you took into account all the, you know, horror, gothic, ghost stories and everything that have been written in New England, it'd be daunting to be like, well, you know, you can't fit one more. Yeah, you can. You can you can always fit one more. You know, there's always going to be uh, corners of the woods and, you know, houses up on a hill that, you know, haven't been explored yet by the writers of your. Um, now, I'm curious with the uh, I like that you took us to outlining. Um, when you opted to outline uh, until summer comes around, um, did you just kind of dive in or did you have to do any research into, okay, how the hell do I write an outline? Yeah, totally had to do that. I, I reached, I know uh, with Flame Tree, there are certain writers there that they sell their stories that way to Don because they've worked with him enough. He knows they can deliver. Um, I reached out to Tim Wagner because I know that that's how he works. And I said, 
you know, I'm, I, I really want to write a book for Flame Tree, except I'm so like working on all these projects that are already going certain places. I can't like set aside. I just feel like I can't set aside a time to just stop everything, write a whole book and then send it to Don. I said, but if I was able to write uh, an outline and sell it that way to Don, then I would have to write it. You know, then I'd have I'd have a reason to, to write the story. It was just a weird timing thing for me. Uh, at the moment. And then uh, Tim said, no, whatever you need, because he's really, he's awesome like that with anybody. Um, he's one of my favorite, one of my favorite authors, just because of how he's so willing to help anybody. Um, he's great. He's great that way. And he, I asked him if he had a sample of one of his outlines that he'd be willing to share with me so I could kind of look at it and see, you know, what, it, what, it sh what it should kind of look like. Um, Cause I'd never seen one. And uh, I ordered a book. I mean, I don't think I have it up here, but there's a how to how to outline book that I found online that really helped me too. Um, so between that book, Tim's advice, and Tim's sample or Tim's um, outline that he showed me for it was like a sci-fi book or something that he had. I kind of said, "All right, well, I, I think I could try this." I mean, it's not it doesn't look too daunting. It, like I thought that's what was going to be too much. I can't do that. Like to come up with a whole book. But it was mostly like the uh, idea of, of this scene, this little piece of the book has to lead to this piece. And how's that going to lead to this piece? And then you've got to make sure you've got to have all your characters and everything set up. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I reached out to Tim. So Tim helped. And he even, after I finished my outline for Until Summer Comes Around, I then sent that back to Tim so that he could look it over because he'd worked with Don. I said, do you think this is good? You know what I mean? Uh, did you think this would work? And he read it and he read the sample chapters and he said, yeah, I think, that, you know, I think John's going to love it. And that was like, all right, cool. So I was, I didn't go in completely blind. I had, I had to help for sure, but you can't be afraid to ask for help. And I don't, sometimes they can't help you. They don't have time, but um, most people, if they've got time, they're, they're willing to help. Like if I have time, people need help from me. If I have the time, I try to do what I can too, because of, because of things like that, like it's paying it forward or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, for these guys to take time out of their day to help me out at all, you definitely got to do that for somebody else. I mean, I mean, look I mean, at what Brian Keene does or Joe Lansdale or Ronald Kelly or, or, or even like a big editor like Ellen Datlow. They're very good examples of that. Or reviewers like Sadie Hartman or Glenn Yu and Janine. I'm throwing you in there too. I mean, you're... I'm not saying it's because you're here. You're doing a lot of awesome things, and, and you are. You're always very helpful. So that's – I think that's always worth repeating, Glenn. It's a good thing to point out, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it gets sickening anyways. Like, if you're just promoting yourself constantly, <laughs> you get sick of yourself, right? I mean, that, that was part of when I started doing it. That was part of it because once I started getting like Sam Haynes started putting out my work, all of a sudden I was like sharing and like I'm doing right now and it's making me sick with August eyes, like having to, but you have to do it. It's part of the thing, right? So you try to break that up with, uh, don't just, you know, I've got right here. Oh, look at this. It's a uh, Dire Branches by Brian Fader Steele on Alien Agenda Publishing. I mean, go buy this book. It's really good. I mean, I'm part of Alien Agenda, but still like, I like promoting stuff like that or like, you know, hey, let's help the uh, American Native College Fund. Let's uh, get in there and buy this book with a bunch of great authors. And 
you know, help us help somebody else. Like, I don't, I don't understand anyone that, that wouldn't do that. I mean, you sh- you're obviously reading, if you're writing, you're reading other people's work. This, you should be lifting up everybody. I mean, if, if we, we can all help each other out. And I always go back to like my punk rock background too, where like our little scene that we had around here, it was always about getting each other's shows, helping each other out. Like if somebody was like band member, bass player was down, maybe someone else would fill in from another band. You know what I mean? It was that community. Uh, and, and it kind of fits with horror too, right? Cause the punks were like the black sheep and the horror is like the black sheep of the writing world. So it's like, <laughs> we've all got to help each other out, you know? And so I like that sense of community and, and trying to lift each other up. And hopefully by doing that, we all, we all, ascend you know what i mean no question janine do you have any questions about august size or anything else that you want to throw out there um i'll just throw out a quick question because you just mentioned alien agenda which is obviously your indie press so uh what have we got to look forward to from that coming up that's pretty much on hold ish i always say hold and then something happens so I'm trying to back off because I, 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 I can't really run a giant successful press. I can't, it costs a lot of money to put books out I mean, properly anyway. So I've got the Brian's book that just came out in July last month. Um, I love how this came out and it's a great story and Brian's an awesome dude. So um, that, and then I've got, um, there's a new Jackson Thomas book that's going to be coming out in October. After that, I want to do another charity anthology, but it's going to probably get pushed back. It was originally going to, I was aiming for like 2022, but now it's probably going to be 2023 by the time I get that done, because that's, there's a lot of work that goes into that too. And like I've been telling you guys, I've got so many projects coming up that I have to get done right now. I want to, I don't ever want to shortchange the authors or anybody I help put out on the, uh, my little publishing thing, because they deserve attention too. And it's hard right now. I'm like promoting his book and my book and like, it's, it's a little stressful. So, so alien agenda is I, I'd love to someday be able to do more with it, but I'm just trying to keep it slow and easy and fair, I guess, to everyone involved in it. So I don't see anything else besides Jackson Thomas coming out soon. Um, I'm always hoping, I'm always hoping the sisters of slaughter will give me a novella because I want to put one out by them, but Oh yes, <laughs> we'll get that uh, that together. But uh, they're awesome. Yeah. They are they're, awesome. I love it. They're good. All right, now before we you know start to wrap things up, I I have to ask you one question. I have to ask you, where did this love of Taylor Swift come from? <laughs> I don't know. I heard, I heard her first single like this was in two thousand and fifteen or something. Um, I've always loved, I'm like, I'm a singer, I'm a singer songwriter. So whenever a special singer songwriter comes around that you can't ignore, I mean, I'm always watching. Sometimes they flame out after one record or they have like three good songs or one good song and to see her just get better and better and better. Like I love her songwriting. I love her voice. Um, yeah, she's, I just think she's amazing. I'm like, She's obviously huge, you know, because she's friggin' super talented and very driven. You know what I mean? 
And that's admirable, right? I mean, to be able to, and she stands up for, for uh, what she believes in. She's, she was in country music and she, she left country music. I mean, who does that? I mean, she had bigger ideas and bigger dreams and she's going for them. I mean, that's awesome. And her songs are awesome. And she can write in so many different styles of music. You know what I mean? For me, anyways, I, I, I enjoy like almost everything that she's put out. So except the reputation album, I just don't dig that one, but the rest okay. of them are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've shared with you before that, you know, my second day job is uh, teaching piano lessons, guitar lessons, bass lessons, and I'll have students that bring in her songs and, you know, first time it happened, I think I think I, you know, embarrassingly acted uh, reacted with an eye roll or something. But man, they're, they're, they're jams, you know. I have a lot of fun playing those with other musicians, playing them with kids. Um, and there's a, there's a lot to like in there from the variety we've looked at. Um, I, th I think my favorite to play was a. Uh, um, I worked with a bass player on No Body, No Crime, and that was a jam. Yep. We learned to kind of like slide into our notes and everything, and it was Great. we created a real groove on that one. It was cool. Nice. All right, nice. so I'm going to move us into what are you Sh currently Shake reading? it up. Shake it up. Uh, oh, oh. Not, not shake it up. <laughs> <laughs> he, tried. he tried. That was good. Good attempt. Thank you. <laughs> so, so off that, Glenn, what are you currently reading? Gosh, I, I don't know. I haven't really been able to read this month. Like I said, this month has been, this summer has been crazy for me. Um, but I'm trying to read the new Stephen King book. I've read the first couple of chapters. Um, that's really it right now. I have a bunch. I keep picking books up, but I just can't concentrate right now on, on that. I'm lucky I can write right now. I've been able to do that still. But like reading right now is just like almost impossible. My brain's like in 5,000 different places. Um, but I did get the new King book and that's, that's what I've started. So I'm hoping to pick it back up, but it's been a crazy summer. Anything you've read, uh, you know, way earlier this year that you want to shout out plug that you really enjoyed? Jeez, uh, probably I can't think of anything else. <laughs> on the spot you go. <laughs> I'm trying to look in the bookshelf, but I think not all the books I want to read up here, not the ones I have read. Uh, uh, I don't know. Janine's collection is awesome. If you haven't read that, you should read Janine's book. <laughs> I have a copy of over here. I do have that one up here. Um, <laughs> no, it's good. I loved it. I was so worried, and I, I, I told Janine this, and told other people like when she asked me to do the forward, I was like, "Yeah, of course." And then I, once I agreed, I was like, "What if I don't like the stories? Like, what if I'm like, <laughs> what, if, what if I don't? It just doesn't." hit me right but they did and i was every story i was reading i was like yes yes like <laughs> and it was it was it was both like the story's really good and oh fuck yes she's got the talent <laughs> like i don't have to like feel bad about this at all like i dug it but like i think our styles are very similar so uh after the first after the first two stories i was like this is this is gonna work i like this how's so, that feel <laughs> How's that feel, Janine? Amazing. I still, you know, it's still one of those moments where I like have to pinch myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
They definitely yeah. read like, you know, what if a, a, a kick in the crotch or, a, you know, punch in the jaw? What if that was a story? What if we turned yeah. that into a story, a stab in the gut? <laughs> that almost hurt my throat, Brendan. You son of a bitch. That was funny. <laughs> so, Janine, how about you? What are you currently reading? Oh, well, I have uh, this book, of course, that I'm reading at the moment. I don't know who I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> it sounds like a quack. Yeah, and uh, of course, I also beta read this one as well, so always good. Um, I've been sent an arc for a blurb, but I can't even remember who the person is that sent it, so that's not very good, is it? But I'm going to be starting that. Then, of course, I'm reading Castaways by our Mr. Keen, and um, also the latest issue of Splatterpunk. Can you see what, that? What is Splatterpunk. that? I'm not so, it's uh, the Splatterpunk zine um, is put out by um, Jack Bantry, um, who runs the Splatterpunk um, press. And it is all, as it says, like super, super extreme stuff. So um, Chandler Morrison's got a story in this one as well. And oh, me. <laughs> my most, yeah, my most extreme story I've ever written is in this one, which is even more extreme than the two Splatterpunks in Twisted. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then I have got another collection of ghost stories that I've been sent to read for Scream magazine as well. But again, I can't remember who the author is, which is terrible. But they're not people that we know, not people that are in the community. So I'm always <laughs> reading. And then I've got to start this week on the slasher subs for Candisha have started to come in Ooh, as well right, now. Yeah. I think I've got 25 to read already, so <laughs> that's going to be meant. Doing big things, making moves. Love it. You mentioned, you mentioned Chandler Morrison, and that's one I read. I read this. Oh, yes. Oh, that said, Press, who are those guys? I don't know. Yeah, but, no, I read this one, and I was scared reading going into it. I was like, I don't like like bizarro horrors, and like not my thing, but like it, whatever he did so his voice is just amazing and like he made this crazy story work i've read yeah. stories that are, are like far out ideas and i get like part way into it and then just i just don't feel it like no but his his writing is amazing so i'm looking forward to uh i've got another i got this vampire book somewhere in here oh i was just about to mention that i read chandler sent me that last year two years ago until the sun yeah right yeah. here yeah I grabbed a copy of that. As soon as I finish this, I grabbed this. Yeah. That's a. He's pretty good. Yeah. It's very, very. His stuff is quite divisive. You know, you either absolutely love it or you're shocked and can't stand it. And why would anybody write about that kind of stuff? Um, And, you know, not everybody likes the real splatterpunk stuff and especially Dead Inside, you know, with obviously then necrophilia and all that kind of thing. That's going to be some people have got. No, that's a step too far. But if you actually kind of like read between the lines with his prose, his actual storytelling is beautiful. And it's exactly what Splatterpunk should be. There's a wonderful story. There's really good characters that you start to root for and care for. It's just it's filled with the most depravity and gore and like pornographic level sexual stuff but it's not just there for that you know it's it's bloody brilliant it really is yep. and i think triana's like that as well christopher triana he quite a lot of his stuff is really really in your face and like 
revolting and disgusting but actually he's such a good writer it draws you in i agree yeah until the sun blew my socks off it's such it is such a great book um it's brutal but i it's got a message like janine said is it my turn to talk about books brennan sure why not Oh, that doesn't sound friendly. So I'm also starting, like Janine, I beta read Slattery Falls. And I haven't read the final version, but I'm reading that now. And it's just a lot of fun. Uh, S.A. Cosby's Razorblade Tears. I mean, what can I say that hasn't been said about him already? He's he's just a fantastic writer. Audiobook. Uh, one audiobook I'm listening to is John Langan's The Fisherman. And I mean, it's just, it's a classic. It, it's, it, it, it's just such. If he feels like an old timey writer from like the Herman Melville days, but he's, again, another great writer. So, uh, Brennan, off to you, man. What are you currently reading? I'm going to piggyback that. I also am reading uh, The Fisherman. Um, we will be speaking with John Langan uh, in September. Uh, although not about that book, we just both wanted to read that book. We've we've heard uh, just how necessary it is to that horror education we were talking about. Um, and with that in mind, my not reading for a podcast read, although I would love this guy to come on, is uh, Clive Barker's The Damnation Game. Um, an author who I, you know, everything I've read by him, I've really dug, but I have a lot of Barker on my shelf that I haven't gotten to yet. So got to make time for that because you can uh, learn a lot from him. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, where can people follow you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter and I don't, I, I don't even remember what it is. <laughs> I don't remember what it is. <laughs> author, author Rolf or something. G Rolf. Um, Facebook, obviously, people can bother me there if they want to. Instagram, it's probably Grolf Horror, I think. Um, I think that's what it is. Or Patreon, if you want to join up or just come message me and bother me there. Um, yeah, that's it for me. That's enough. I can't handle anything else. Everyone's talking about like a Snapchat and uh, what the hell is that other one? The, the, the TikTok. TikTok. I'm like, yeah. No, I can't. I can barely keep up with what I've got now. I'm not going <laughs> to. Maybe my daughter wants to help me do. My oldest daughter wants to help me do that. Maybe I'll let her do something like that. But You are yeah. not kidding. There's this too much. Uh, so, you know, if people can't find you on Twitter, they can go to Janine's Twitter and she will have retweeted something <laughs> you put up recently. Janine, where can people find you? Um, it's pretty similar. Um, the best thing to find me is Twitter, which I think is now Janine Pipe 28. That's the best place to find me. Um, I'm not very active on Instagram just because I'm absolutely shit at taking photos. I'm so envious of people like Sadie and Ashley and all the reviewers that have these absolutely gorgeous like compositions <laughs> and books and things. Whereas I, like, I, I just take something on my phone and I'm like hovering over it, trying to get it to line <laughs> up. And They must spend a fortune on all the props as well, because no matter what book they're pr you know promoting, they've got a perfect prop for it. Where does all that come from? It's fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, on YouTube. Form. I do. I've got a YouTube channel. Um, I think that's Janine Pipe Horror Writer. Um, that's about it, really. I, I never realized until I started seeing the bookstagram pictures how few 
props or knickknacks I have in my house. I just I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's my book against a wall. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts, Glenn. Any any last thing you want to shout out, promote, or say before we uh, sign off? Uh. Yeah, buy you guys should go out and buy this book. It's really cool. August Eyes. It's really good. Um, I like the hardcover. I mean, it doesn't have that traditional plain tree, like, you know, their little red side thing that they always have. But this one's so cool. Like I would I would suggest not just because it's well, just because, yeah, just get it because of the cover. I mean, this wraparound cover is really cool. I love this little thing on the side that's got like the cross and everything on there. It's a little more expensive, but I think it's worth it. Just for, I like holding books that just look awesome. So I would suggest people go buy August Eyes if you like horror, if you like thrillers. Um, it does um, – one thing we didn't touch on about the book, it does have a uh, 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 child molester in it. So, I mean, I don't – I don't think I go too far ever with any of it. I kind of, my idea with, with this is I, and I don't, I, cause I don't like writing about anything happening to kids. I don't, it, it was necessary for the story, but I, I think what I do is I walk, I walk you up to what's about to happen and then let your own imagination, what you know, from this kind of stuff take over. Like I don't go into pretty detail there. I don't think like if I can remember, I think I pretty much like to walk you up to it, freak you out, you think what's going to happen is going to happen. And then, you know, I back off, but that's a fair thing to tell people. I guess everyone's talking about trigger warnings now. So that, that, that kind of stuff's in the story, but I don't think it goes too far anywhere in there. So hopefully just know that going into it, I guess, if you're going to, you're going to buy it, uh, if you're familiar with uh, John Wayne Gacy's case, especially uh, I don't go anywhere near anything that, <laughs> that he did. So, uh, but it could could trigger some stuff. So I guess it's fair to put that out there. Uh, but I hope everyone will buy it. It comes out on the 17th. I don't remember if you said this is going to be up after that, probably after. So go buy it. Uh, you can get it at, uh, uh, everywhere. So Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, obviously, the Flame Tree website. If you go there, I think if you spend more than 20 bucks, you get free shipping from Flame Tree. So you could grab this and something else. Jonathan Jans, maybe, <laughs> if you don't have all the books already. So, yeah, that's all I've got. Can also grab until summer comes around from the Flame Tree website. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think that you did a great job, you know, walking the reader up to the edge and trusting their imagination to do the rest of the work that I, I don't think, you know, uh, it goes too far. But the implications are certainly there. And, of course, some some readers might have trouble with that. Um, it will look great on your shelf, but you should definitely read the book, too. Don't just display it. Janine, <laughs> final thoughts buy this book <laughs> on on the 17th of august um the official flame tree tour starts blog tour starts on the 17th of august as well with um various reviewers and oh who's on day one that would be me obviously <laughs> reviewing this book <laughs> um and also um glenn and i have just done an interview for cemetery dance as well where we talk about this so head over to cemetery dance to read my first ever article with them which just had to be with glenn Excellent. Patrick, final thoughts. I'm just happy we finally had Janine and Glenn on. Um, you guys are both amazing people. You guys offer a lot to an industry that we all love. 
And uh, this is, I hope, not the first and only time we'll have you guys on because we'd love to have you back. So thank you so much. Sure. Thank you, guys. Definitely. Thank you very much. Yeah, I would echo that. You know, thank you both for giving up your Sunday morning slash Sunday afternoon to hang out with us. <laughs> Everybody should go check out August's Eyes, which is out on August 17th, as we've now mentioned a lot of times. Don't forget. Um, and Plug Janine's book. <laughs> Very good point. And you can also check out Twisted Tainted Tales from Janine Pipe. That is a blurb from Brian Keane on the cover. There That's is awesome. a forward by Glenn Rolfe. There are blurbs from, uh, forgive me if I messed this up, but it's Hunter, Shay, and Tim Meyer, right? Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, lot of people that you love to read say that this book is worth your time. And uh, I'll add my voice to that mix. Um, right up there with Tim Meyer and Hunter Shea and Brian Keene. Um, so <laughs> for listeners, the next episode will air next Monday. It's episode 111. We will be talking with S.A. Cosby about his book, uh, Razorblade Tears, and probably lots of other stuff as well. Listeners, you have lots of choices in podcasts. Thank you for choosing us. Have a good one. Deadhead space. <laughs> what the hell are you wearing, Brennan? See, I told you she'd pick up on it right away. That is just <laughs> sacrilege. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I told Pat he had to wait because he, he goes, "Why do you even own that?" And uh, when my kids played little league, guess what team they put them on? Why? Why? Uh, why a league in Massachusetts that only has four teams in the league would feel the need to use the Yankees? is beyond me. <laughs> Frankly, it, it seems unfair that they even put the Red Sox in the league because then everybody else is just upset about it. Yep. <laughs>